The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His father said to him, Father, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, he swallowed up your property with prostitutes. For him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice. 
because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. weeks ago I was over at mom's house and we were, uh, we were going to the storage, uh, the storage unit where a lot of our stuff was that had been uh, affected by the floods. And so we had some of the, the old family furniture and keepsakes as well as a number of just the, the, the little things uh, that you keep from your children uh, from, their, from the memorable moments of their life. And so we were going through and we were, of course, tossing a lot of stuff that couldn't be saved. A lot of it was paper goods and things just to to be tossed out in the pile, uh, to be picked up. But we came across one uh, big plastic tote, and it was full of two-week-old floodwater disgustingness. And floating in that disgustingness were my keepsakes. Brent's little first baseball cap with my name written on the bill, and my baptismal garment, and a few little other little things from, from my childhood that uh, Mom had been you know, keeping and saving, of course, treasuring for many years. And so I looked at it, and it was, honestly, it was disgusting. I didn't want to touch it, uh, but Mom was digging through it, trying to find what she could, and I, I said, Mom, it, it's okay, it's just stuff, I'll, I'll take it and I'll, I'll put it out. She goes, no, you won't. She said, it may not mean much to you, but it means a great deal to me. Give me a minute. And so she dug through and found a, a handful of things she wanted to keep, and passed them off to my sister to get her to take care of them. It was interesting because that's the basic idea of the gospel this week. Really the entirety of the scriptures. Is it starts with the, the scribes and the Pharisees, the gospel does. And, the, and they're looking and going, and Jesus, he welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. Don't you know that they're filthy? Don't you know that this is, this is, not, this is not good, it's not worth keeping? Just put them to the road. Just be rid of them. It's, it's fine. It's, cut your losses and be done. But it's the Lord God who looks and he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> These are ones that are very valuable to me. They have great value. They may not be that valuable to you. You may not see it. You may not understand it. But this means a great deal to me. And that's the scriptures this weekend. It's the love that God has for every single one of us, his children. To be able to receive that love. The reading from Exodus shows us, in a sense, the patience of God. He begins, the, the, the passage that we just heard, uh, it, it comes directly after they've sealed the covenants and received the law. Moses had gone up on the mountain and, and for 40 days and 40 nights he was there and praying before the Lord and the cloud had, had, had consumed the mountain and Moses comes down and all the people were praying this entire time and Moses comes down with the law, the Ten Commandments that God himself has written on the tablets for the people and he gives them and he says, these, these are the things that God has asked us to do. Will you enter into the covenants? Will you enter into the family bond that we want to set? And the people of God say, all of these things we will do. Every one of them, we will be faithful to our God. And they're sprinkled with the blood of a sacrifice as a way of saying, if I fail to keep my side of the covenant, may death come upon me. It's rightly mine. I choose it. 
And a couple of days later, they're out in the desert, and here we find the people of God already have sunk to their depravity. And then they go, and rather than to turn to the Lord, in their impatience, they make a calf, the golden calf. From the bracelets and earrings and other fine things, they make something, they say, this is the God who has saved us. Not that God on the mountain, this God that we have created with our own hands. This is what has saved us. And the Lord God says, so quickly you've gone away. So quickly you've, you've abandoned the covenant. We just formed it a few days ago. And so quickly we've gone. It would have been right for God to kill them all. It was part of the judgment. It was part of the covenant. That every single one of them who said, yes, we will do all these things, it would have been part of the deal for them rightly to deserve to be killed. Because they asked for it, really. If I don't keep my end, let me die. But the Lord says, he looks upon him with mercy and goes, no, no. We'll keep them. We'll keep trying to bring forth that which is good and holy, which I desire for them. We'll keep the promise in store for them. And he shows his patience. He showed his patience for many years as the people of God continued to break the covenant over and over and over again. Every single generation, every single human heart, we make our our promise to God, Lord, I will follow you, I'll do all of these things. And then ten minutes later, we've sunk to our depravity once more. How many times have I heard, Father, I don't know if I need to, (laughs) I feel like I need to go to confession again after I walk out of confession ten minutes later because somebody did something to upset me. How quick our hearts can turn. And yet the Lord is always patient with us. He's patient with us and he goes to great lengths to try to save us. A lot of times we feel like we have to try to save ourselves. That I have to convince God of my goodness. I have to convince God of my holiness, of my worthiness of being saved. But it's the Lord who wants it even more than I do. God wants to save you more than you want to be saved. And we see that a, a glimpse of that here in the gospel. Jesus gives three separate, uh, basically, parables or stories, all of which show the, honestly, the stupidity of God. Hope he doesn't strike me. (laughs) The foolishness of God in his love for you and I. Who among you, the Lord says, having a hundred sheep and losing one, wouldn't leave the ninety-nine sheep to go and search far and wide for the one sheep until you find it? And every one of the people there would go, the only shepherd that would leave 99 perfectly good sheep to leave, to leave those sheep in search of the one who has already strayed, no matter how long it takes, is a stupid shepherd. Because you never know what may happen. The job of the shepherd is to keep safe the flock. And so, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave 99 perfectly good sheep so I can go and search, I don't know how long, to find that one. And maybe one when I, when I find that, I come back and my other 50, 50 mothers of my 99 have already scattered. It's foolishness. You cut your losses. You say, well, we've got 99 sheep. Okay, you know, one sheep, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate, but we can't abandon the 99 for the sake of the one. We'll just let it go. That seems a reasonable thing for a shepherd. It would have been reasonable at the time to do that. But that's not the heart of God when it comes to us. It would be like a family of 12 going to a theme park and then coming now with 11 and going, well, close enough, get in the car. <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? If you're missing a kid, you go, okay, y'all get in the car, but I'm going back to find them. And the same thing with our God. 
is he doesn't look upon us as sheep. He looks upon us as children. He's our father, right? So he goes, one of my children is out there. I need to go find them. I need to go find them. To great lengths he goes. To foolish lengths he goes. The second, the second parable shows that a little bit even more of the absurdity of it all. The lady with the, the ten coins who loses one. We, get, we, move, we lose something in the translation, as always, from the, the, the ancient language to the contemporary language. And by the coin, they essentially mean like a penny or a nickel. <laughs> she loses a penny in her house. And so in response, she tears up everything. She pulls out all the, she, she's pulling out the couches, flipping over the beds, searching the cabinet. She's sweeping the entire dirt floor, cleaning everything, searching entirely for a penny. How many times have you been to the grocery store and you're walking out and you're walking to your car, you look on the ground, you see a penny, you go, look, a penny. And you keep walking <laughs> because it's a penny. <laughs> it's not worth your time to pick up the penny and sense sometimes. And yet she goes and turns over her entire house looking for it. And then when she finds it, she invites all the neighbors to come celebrate. Imagine if you were sitting at your house and you got a phone call from, from your neighbor saying, come to the house, come to the house. We've got some great news. The, 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 whole, the whole street's coming. The whole neighborhood's coming. We're coming. i got something awesome to tell you. And you all get there and you're like, what, what, what? And you're like, I found my penny I've been looking for. <laughs> you invited us over for that? <laughs> You're crazy. You're a fool. Just, it's a penny. And yet that's the Lord. How often whenever we are lost in our sin, we don't even know that we're lost in our sin. So many think everything is fine. And yet we're lost. It would have been easy for the world to look upon us just as the scribes and Pharisees and say, it's just a penny. It's just a person. I mean, it's just, it's just one. There's, there's what? Five something billion people in the world, what's one? Just let them go. But the Lord says no. Those are two examples of things that were not able to go back. The coin doesn't have a mind of its own, the coin can't seek to be found. The sheep, when it, it, you know, if it goes in a, in a place and gets lost, it falls in a hole or off a cliff or something and needs some help, it can cry out, but it doesn't have the sensibilities to go back uh, exactly where it was. It can't be like, oh yeah, the, the shepherd's over here, I know he's going over there at that time. He can't reason it that way. He just simply cries out in hopes of being found. But the lost son, the son who goes away, it makes it more personal. The last one is the son who goes off and he, he receives the, the father's inheritance first. So basically he says, Father, I wish you were dead so I could have my part of the stuff. What a great son, huh? I wish you were dead so I could have my part of your things. Everybody wants a son like that, right? And so he takes it and he immediately leaves. Imagine the sorrow in the father's heart. And he goes off, and the son, he spends it on, on prostitutes and all these sorts of things. He lives himself, he, he's working among the pigs, which would have been completely contrary to the faith. They didn't touch pork, they didn't touch or, or deal with pigs. It was, it was unholy, it was unfitting. And yet he was longing to eat pig food. That tells you the lengths to which he had gone in his faith. And he realizes it and says, I'll go back. I'll at least be a, a hired hand at the house. And when he goes back, the father does, again, the most foolish of things. 
Who among us would take the son who took half of our belongings, went and spent it on sin, and wants to come back? Who among us would give him the finest robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and slaughter the best animal we have, and throw a party? The fool. Instead, you, at, at best, you would welcome him back as a, as a hired hand. At worst, you'd slap him in the face and say, get out of here. It would, that would have been normal. That would have been the normal response of the day. Is, 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 you wanted me dead? I'm dead. Go. That would have been acceptable. That would have been socially reasonable. And yet the father does the exact opposite. He gives him even more riches on top of what he's already wasted. And it's the father who does the same for us. No matter what filth we find ourselves in, no matter, no matter what it is that we're floating in, in a sense... God our Father looks at us and he goes, this is one that I treasure. This is one that I created myself that I love, that I want to keep. I know how it looks currently. I, I, I know how bad it looks, how disgusting it looks, how, how useless it may seem. But this is one that I treasure. Every single one of us. The person that, that we think is the easiest to dismiss. Whoever that person might be for you, that person is so deeply loved by God that he's willing to go to any lengths to save him. All the people that we meet, every person we see today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, God longs for them to be sitting right next to you in the pews. He longs to have his children come to him. It's not that he'll simply kind of accept us back reluctantly. It's not that he'll be like, oh, I mean, I guess you can come back. He's actively seeking every single person. Every single one of us. Some of us respond and come back. Sometimes we don't know that we're lost. We're like the coin. Who's just there. It doesn't know. But every single one of us, God calls Every person, treasured, loved, valued, and longed for. Brothers and sisters, we are much more than coins and we are much more than sheep. God calls us to himself. We're the sons and daughters of his who can turn away or we can draw close. And we can bring the same with others. We can bring others to come close to Christ and let them know that no matter what, they are loved because there are many people around us who don't know that they're loved, who don't know that they're worth saving, who don't know that they're worth anything. They've never been told that, but it's we who can share the good news. It's we who can share the gospel of the love of our God, which is so powerful that he calls every one of us to himself. He seeks that all might be saved. But it's for us to respond, to be willing to be found. And so we pray through the course of this Mass, pray for the grace of the Lord Jesus to be with us, and especially in the Eucharist, to help us to become even more deeply aware of our sinfulness, so that we can become aware of the gift of our Savior, the gift of the God who loves us, who longs for us, who has come to seek and to save sinners. We see that Paul is a perfect witness. 
He says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. One who tried to actively kill Christ. And I stand here as a witness. How much can we say the same for others? That we are all sinners. There's place for more here in the church of Christ. And so we pray His grace to be with us again to help us to become aware of our sinfulness, but also the joy of a Savior. And we might be able to experience the, the joy of this Mass, the peace of His mercy, and the grace of coming to rest in the heart of Christ that comes to seek us out and to save us.